0: Welcome back Warriors, Tensei Sego, Ani Bouju, Queen Dean Pam Palmer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show that is focused on living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island, A central part of who we are as Mi'kmaq, Wulistukwe, Guyankahaga, and Wet'suwet'en nations is our land and our connection to our land. Right now, all over Turtle Island, the future of our nations is under attack by state governments and the extractive industry. The health of our peoples and the health of our lands, waters, plants, animals, birds and insects are all jeopardized by the relentless pursuit of wealth by large transnational corporations bolstered and empowered by state governments at all levels. This is happening in the east, in Mi'kmaq territory, which we call Mi'kmaqi and all the way to the west in Wet'suwet'en territory, which they call their Yinta. One of the primary purposes of my Warrior Life podcast is to center the voices of our land defenders, water protectors, and advocates who make huge sacrifices to protect our lands, waters, and peoples. There are many native warriors out there doing the work of our ancestors and who face incredible risks to their own personal freedom and their safety. And one of those warriors is Molly Wickham. We've had Molly on our show before where she gave us a detailed history of what has been happening on Wet'suwet'en territory in what is now known as British Columbia. She spoke to us about the Gidimden, one of the clans of the Wet'suwet'en Nation, the camp they created to control access to their lands, which they referred to as their Yinta. In that first podcast, she told us about the Wet'suwet'en Nation's efforts to keep the extractive industry out of their territories, all of them, including Coastal GasLink Pipeline, and how the RCMP had set up in Wet'suwet'en territory for the purposes of surveilling, harassing, and arresting them. Since that first interview with Molly, the RCMP and Coastal GasLink pipeline ramped up pressure on the Wet'suwet'en peoples and we saw video of the RCMP engaging in violence that is the removal of Indigenous peoples from their own territories. Yet despite all the misinformation from the RCMP about what was actually happening on the ground, First Nations across Turtle Island could see for themselves on social media Pictures, audio, video of what was actually going on. And we responded to this illegal invasion of Wet'suwet'en territory with hundreds of public declarations of support from First Nations communities, from Indigenous nations, First Nations organizations, and thousands of allies across all spectrums. Then Molly joined me again on this podcast for a second conversation and update about what was happening just before the RCMP invaded their territory. The situation wasn't good. And heavily armed RCMP officers and snipers did in fact invade their territory, and we watched it play out on video. At the same time, however, the RCMP tried very hard to suppress any media access to know what was actually happening on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis. In one Guardian report, they were able to access internal RCMP documents that showed that the RCMP felt that they were justified to use, quote, lethal overwatch to subdue the Wet'suwet'en and that they could, quote, use as much violence as they wanted to remove any barriers that were there and directed RCMP officers to, quote, sterilize the site. And we're talking about Wet'suwet'en territory where people are living and they said to sterilize the site. So urgent communication was made to the United Nations Committee for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination under a process that people can use in any particular country when they are under threat and human rights are being violated. And it's called the early warning and urgent action process. And that was basically talking about an immediate threat to the life of the land of Defenders on the ground who were unarmed and who were peaceful. And it didn't take long. And the United Nations Committee for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination responded with a letter to Canada stating that they were, quote, concerned by the refusal to consider free, prior, and informed consent as a requirement for any measure such as large-scale development projects that may cause irreparable harm to Indigenous peoples' rights, culture, lands, territories, and way of life. They also went on to state that they were also concerned by the approval of new large-scale development projects on Indigenous peoples' traditional lands and territories without free, prior, and informed consent of the affected Indigenous peoples, such as the coastal gas link pipeline in the territory of the Wet'suwet'en peoples. And they were also very much concerned and, quote, disturbed by forced removal, disproportionate use of force, harassment and intimidation by law enforcement officials against Indigenous peoples who peacefully oppose large-scale development projects on their traditional territories. Because of these significant concerns, the United Nations called on Canada to do several things. First of all, they called on Canada to immediately halt the construction and suspend all permits and approvals for the construction of coastal gasoline pipeline in the traditional and unceded lands and territories of the Wet'suwet'en people until they grant their free prior and informed consent following the full and adequate discharge of the duty to consult. They also urged Canada to freeze all present and future approvals of large-scale development projects affecting Indigenous peoples that don't have free, prior, and informed consent from all of the Indigenous peoples impacted. They went on to urge Canada to immediately cease the forced eviction of Wet'suwet'en peoples and to guarantee that no force would be used against Wet'suwet'en peoples and also said that the RCMP and all of its associated security and policing forces should be withdrawn from the traditional lands of the Wet'suwet'en. They also went on to say that Canada should prohibit the use of any lethal weapons by the RCMP against Indigenous peoples. That was a pretty significant condemnation of Canada's conduct and an urgent call for action to protect the rights of Wet'suwet'en peoples. But Canada, the RCMP and Coastal GasLink Pipeline, of course, didn't listen. We knew they wouldn't. So that's when we all had to step up and show our solidarity with Wet'suwet'en people. And there was a mass mobilization of Indigenous peoples all over Canada, doing marches, rallies, advocating, uh, doing legal maneuvers, engaging in occupation of uh, railway areas, roadways, government offices, all of those things to show Canada that they cannot continue to violate the basic human rights and Indigenous rights of the Wet'suwet'en peoples and risk their safety. After this continued for weeks on end, the federal government announced that it would finally meet with Wet'suwet'en's hereditary leaders to talk about a process to implement their Aboriginal title rights, which they had all over their yinta. This offered what looked like potentially a glimmer of hope that perhaps everybody would put Coastal GasLink pipeline on pause, remove the RCMP from Wet'suwet'en territory, so that fulsome discussions could happen. And in fact, the solidarity actions that we are engaged in started to slow down out of respect for that process. But according to the Wet'suwet'en, that didn't result in any changes to coastal gasoline pipeline at all. In recent weeks and months, we have seen armed RCMP officers ramping up their occupation of Wet'suwet'en territory. And in recent days, we've seen pictures and videos and testimony of land defenders on the ground in Wet'suwet'en being harassed and arrested by the RCMP. We've even seen video of RCMP officers draining the water from Wet'suwet'en cisterns so that they have no access to water and laughing while they do that. Canada, that's your RCMP and they are clearly out of control. According to the Wet'suwet'en who are there on the ground, all of the signs are there that the RCMP are once again ramping up to engage in another violent act of the removal of peaceful land defenders in Wet'suwet'en territory. Knowing that this invasion is imminent again, and hearing Molly and other Gitxdin clan members calling out for our support. I thought I would try to reconnect with her to help get another update on what's happening on the ground so that we can help educate people and gain more support for what's happening. However, Molly is out on the land without access to Wi-Fi to come on my podcast. So I've worked with her group to send her some questions that she could record and then get them out to me safely so that we could do this podcast. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different than normal. It's not going to be as conversational or back and forth. I had to send her the questions uh, and she recorded her responses, but I'll make sure that each one of you hear what the question was so that you can better understand Her responses. And this is all because of the dangerous circumstances that the RCMP have created around Molly and all of the other land defenders there. So please stay tuned to the end of this podcast because Molly makes a very important call out for urgently needed support. And it should also be kept in mind that this week is a national week of action for the Wet'suwet'en. So whatever you can do, whether it's financial donations, getting out there on the land, Pushing governments, being advocates, whatever you can do is needed urgently right now. So basically I started off asking Molly to introduce herself the way she likes to, according to her own customs.
1: Hadi Slato Sydney, Hasley, with so is den. This is Slado. Uh, I go by Molly Wickham in my English name, and I hold the name in Cassia House, which is in the Grizzly Bear house of the Gidem Den clan. And I'm here on Cassia Yinta, in our territory called Tludisbin, where Coastal GasLink plans to drill under our sacred headwaters with Zinqua.
0: Then I asked Molly to share a little bit about the Wet'suwet'en Nation itself, its traditional governance structure, and cultural protocols around the land.
1: The Wet'suwet'en governance system is thousands of years old. Um, We've never lost our governance system. It's still intact in a way that many others um, haven't been able to um, recover or maintain. Um, We're very lucky in that way that we've maintained this governance system that's from our clans. We have five clans of the Wet'suwet'en nation and each clan is broken down into house groups. Um, which govern certain tracts of territory throughout the 22,000 square kilometers of territory that belong to the Wet'suwet'en. And so decisions about clan territories and projects that might happen on those territories or the management of the land and the waters and the animals, those happen within the house group. Um, And those are communicated through our highest or denisei, our house chiefs. Um, the House Chief for Cassia is Was, and so Was makes decisions about the territory on behalf of the, of the House group with all of the input from the House group members. Um, this is different from the Indian Act ban council system that was put in place by the government in order to try and undermine our governance system. Um, we've always had this in place and we continue to have it in place even though there are Indian Act bans within our territories. With this project in particular, the Indian Act bands have been um, bribed, have been um, sometimes extorted in order to sign on to projects like these. And what I mean by that is that companies like CGL and CGL specifically, and the governments have come to Indian Act bands and have said, this project's going to go through anyway. There's nothing that you can do about it. Sometimes um, certain funding is threatened to be cut off if Bands don't go along with what's happening or don't go along with the projects. They've been offered a lot of money um, and a lot of benefits in order to sign on. And oftentimes the way that decisions are made with band councils is that there's a chief counselor and council members that are elected for a two-year term that make all the decisions on behalf of the band members. With our clan system, The decision to oppose all pipelines through Wet'suwet'en territory happened over a series of um, clan meetings, where clan members were invited to come and discuss the topics, where information was provided, um, scientific as well as traditional knowledge. And so the clans could make decisions collectively about what they did and did not want on their territories. And this happened over several years where each clan was able to make that decision. And then over the next several years, each clan stood up in our feast hall and said that they did not want any pipelines through Wet'suwet'en territory, including Coastal GasLink. Coastal GasLink does not have the free prior informed consent from the indigenous people that is governed by our hereditary clan system.
0: From there, I asked her if she could share a little bit of a chronological timeline about what has happened with regards to Coastal Link Pipeline, just for the benefit of people who might not be aware of what's happened already.
1: So the conflict with Coastal Gas Link has been ongoing for several years. Um, Unistoten house within the El clan has been opposing this project for quite some time, quite a number of years. Um, in 2018, after hearing that an injunction was granted to stop the Unist'ot'en Den from defending their territories and from blocking access to CGL work happening on their territories, um, the Gidim Den decided to erect a checkpoint at 44 kilometer on the Maurice Forest Service Road in order to prevent Um, the enforcement of the injunction at the Unistotan Healing Center. Um, Since that time, in 2019, on January 7th, there was a full-on assault at the Gidimden checkpoint where 14 people were arrested, including myself. They brought in canine units, snipers, uh, militarized RCMP, ERT teams um, in order to... um, in order to remove Indigenous people from their territories by gunpoint, um, so that Coastal GasLink could continue their work, in 2020, Coastal GasLink got a permanent injunction against the Unistotin, the Gitximdin, and all Wet'suwetin who are trying to defend their territories. And at that time, there was another blockade and another standoff. Um, for almost a month, that resulted in five days of militarized raids on Wet'suwet'en territories. Um, after that happened, Canada shut down allies from, and supporters from all across so-called Canada, shut down railways, shut down ports, shut down major intersections in cities, held rallies, um, did actions from coast to coast in support of the Wet'suwet'en. After that time, there was uh, discussions that were being held between the government, the province, the federal government, and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs to discuss what title and implementation of title would look like. There was an MOU signed between the three parties, um, and to date, that hasn't resulted in any significant change on the territories. Now, Coastal GasLink is coming for Wet'sinkwa. Witzinkwa is our headwaters, is the place that we get all of our drinking water, where all of our salmon come to spawn. It's a very sacred and special place to the Wet'suwet'en and to all of our neighboring allies and nations downstream that also rely on these animals, on these salmon and this clean drinking water. So currently, we're occupying um, part of Flutusbin territory on Cassia House near Wudzinqwa, where Coastal GasLink plans to drill underneath the river. Um, They were delayed about a year in doing their geotechnical drilling for this site, and so they're behind schedule on the work that's happening here. Um, They were getting ready and preparing to bring in drills and pipe in order to drill under our sacred headwaters. Um, The occupation happened before um, they were able to bring in the drill pads and the drills onto our territories. We've been here now for 11 days, occupying this site and protecting Wet'suwet'en Supporters have started arriving and flooding in, and we're experiencing a lot of community support. People are coming to visit. The hereditary chiefs have been here, while RCMP have been here, threatening to make arrests coming in, stealing things, torturing people. There were was enforcement the very first two days of our occupation here. Um, the first day they tasered somebody who was not resisting arrest. Um, They came in with local police from the local detachments, which has never happened before. And then the second day they came in and tortured somebody for about an hour of physical torture and another hour and a half of psychological torture and intimidation um, until they were able to have CGL come in and dismantle the bus and remove the person from the bus and remove them from our territory. Since that time, the RCMP have been coming into camp and um, doing recon of the area, um, being very intimidating and threatening to anybody that's here. Um, We've continued to receive visitors here. There are often elders here. There are often children here. Um, And the RCMP are escalating their tactics to try to enforce this injunction.
0: Then I asked her a really important question. I asked whether or not Coastal Gas Link Pipeline has permission from the Wet'suwet'en Nation according to their laws to construct a pipeline
1: on their territory. The CGL pipeline does not have permission from the Wet'suwet'en collectively. They don't have permission from Cassia, which is where they plan to drill under the river. They plan to go from Cassia territory under Wet'suwet'en over into Unistot'en territory. Um, They do not have free prior informed consent. Um, from any of our houses or clans to do this work. We've stood up in our feast hall, our bahlats, which is our governance system, and have made that very clear to the province, to all of the government bodies that are associated with this, that are rubber stamping all of this destruction of our territory, and they made it very clear to Coastal GasLink and the RCMP that they do not have our consent.
0: I also wanted to get a sense from Molly about why it's so important to stop the Coastal GasLink pipeline. I wanted to know about some of the risks to the people, the animals, the lands, and the water.
1: If Coastal GasLink goes through, it's going to set a precedent for all Indigenous people that through the use of state violence and state force, that Indigenous people have no say in what happens on their territories. This is a very dangerous precedent to set because we have all struggled, we know we've all struggled so hard to implement our title on our territories, to become sovereign nations again, to, um, you know, to implement, you know, the UNDRIP in the way that fits with our governance systems. Um, Not only would it be a catalyst for all indigenous people in regards to oil and gas projects, but this project in particular could be a gateway for other projects to come. We know that um, the way that they're building the pipe is, would allow them to switch from transporting fracked gas, um, which is toxic and which is hugely detrimental to the climate crisis right now. And they would be able to switch that to crude oil, to bitumen. Um, And we can't allow that to happen to our river. We can't allow the possibility of anything decimating our salmon populations with Zinqua is home to um, the Pacific coho spawning run to sockeye salmon to every species of salmon and fish in this area that come into our rivers to spawn Um, these Uh, you know, these salmon spawning beds are thousands of years old, and any sort of disruption to the groundwater, any sort of disruption um, to the smell um, that salmon instinctually use to return to their spawning beds um, would have devastating effects on our salmon runs. Um, we also rely on this water for drinking water, and the sediment alone from drilling under Witsinqua would destroy our ability to drink drink from Wixingua. Um That's how we. That's the water that we feed our children, that we provide to our children, um, that we use at all of our, you know, all of our homes on the territory. And we also need to think about the nations that are downstream that rely on these animals and rely on these salmon as well. I read
0: an article last year that Coastal GasLink Pipeline broke BC pipeline rules and permit conditions more than 50 times. And I wanted her to give a brief explanation on some of the things that they were doing.
1: Coastal GasLink has continuously broken and violated their permit Um, conditions for this project. Um, When Coastal GasLink was attempting to renew their certificate, their project certificate, we took them to court Um, under a judicial review, challenge on the basis that they have violated so many of their permit conditions that they should not be allowed um, to continue, they should not be renewed. We also challenged the fact that they did not do consultation with Indigenous communities um, about the effects of murdered and missing Indigenous women and the man camps that bring violence into our communities. And so the court ruled against the Wet'suwet'en in that case, which sets a very scary precedent for any sort of industry. Um, Coastal Link continually um, violates permit conditions such as um, the whitebark pine. Often they'll get leave of condition, which allows them to just bypass any sort of permit that protects or condition that protects endangered species. Um, They've destroyed all of our wetlands with no mitigation plans for the wetlands themselves. Um, They've never communicated those things to us. um, And they went ahead and destroyed wetlands without any mitigation measures um, at all, which was a huge violation of their permit. Um, Government is rubber stamping every single thing. There's no enforcement they've prevented Wet'suwet'en people from accessing their territories for cultural purposes. Um, There's been no enforcement of any means that is significant. And this has got to stop. You know, we know that there's no way that the processes in place are helping us. They're not going to prevent the destruction of our land, our animals, our waters, our people. Um, They're not going to protect our future generations. We've tried in the courts through several court cases. We've tried to challenge the injunction. We've done everything that we possibly can. And what it comes down to is direct action and occupation of our territories. Nothing else has worked and we cannot allow the destruction of our future generations to happen on our territories. We have a responsibility to make sure that our children have clean drinking water, that our children have salmon to eat. Um, we have a huge responsibility, especially as um, somebody with a name and our, and our house members and our Denise and Safaize and our matriarchs to ensure that um, we are providing for our future generations. And that means that we have to stop coastal gas link from drilling under Witsinqua.
0: Another question I asked Molly was around this announcement by the federal government that they would be sitting down with Wet'suwet'en hereditary leaders to talk about Aboriginal title and the hopes that a lot of people had that this would result in coastal gasoline pipeline, pausing their pipeline, the RCMP leaving their territory, and that there would be some kind of negotiated resolution. And I wanted to hear from her what has happened in that regard. And this was her answer.
1: So when the government decided to sit down with our hereditary chiefs and talk about the MOU, they were very clear that they would not include any discussions about coastal gas link. Um, The governments obviously are, you know, they're not, an impartial party to this project. They've provided millions and millions of dollars to this project and to LNG Canada, the export facility. Um, they definitely have a stake in making sure that this project goes forward. And so they weren't willing to discuss anything to do with coastal gas link. Um, they were willing to discuss the implementation of title for the Wet'suwet'en. Um, and as far as I know, there nothing has come out of that. Um, they're not willing to move on very simple requests of us implementing our title. Um, they're not willing to acknowledge the work that we've done, the work that we want to do in a way that respects the implementation of what's title at all.
0: And then because we weren't in person having a conversation and I couldn't respond to what she was saying, I also included a question around what she wanted people to know, what she thought was the most important thing for our listeners or viewers to understand about what's really happening in Wet'suwet'en territory right now.
1: I want people to know that we have a responsibility to be here doing this work. I want people to know that the only violence that happens here on our territories is at the hands of the state and at the hands of the RCMP. At the hands of the people that are directing the RCMP to bring violence into our communities, to criminalize us, to harass us, to surveil us, to jail us, um, and essentially to commit genocide. You know, If we don't have our land, if we don't have our water, if we don't have a future, um, our people aren't going to want to live. There's so much at stake and there's so many repercussions of the devastation of our lands and our access to our lands that have, that that there are on our people um, that may not seem blatant to the naked eye, but if you look deeper and if you think about uh, who we are and our identities as indigenous people, it is tied to the, our land, it is tied to our water, it is tied to the fact that We harvest salmon every year and we get together as families. And that helps create a sense, a strong sense of identity and a strong sense of who we are. And we know that the people who are killing themselves are the people that don't have that connection to who they are as an indigenous person, that don't have the connection to their land. The people that are lost out in the world, the people who are out on the streets, the children that are taken away from their families, all relates back to a strong sense of connection, belonging, and identity as an Indigenous person. And if we don't have that, our people will die. And that's the genocide.
0: And the last question, of course, is what can other First Nations and Canadians do to help the Wet'suwet'en right now, not just during this week of action, but on a go-forward basis to make sure that Wet'suwet'en peoples are safe and that their rights are respected, protected, and implemented on a go forward
1: basis. If people want to support us, we would love to have boots on the ground. The more people that are here to witness, the more people that are here to support, makes us safer. We know that the RCMP come in numbers and we need to match those numbers. We need to exceed those numbers in order to keep ourselves safe um we also have opportunities of other ways to support if you visit yintaaccess.com, um we have a wish list of supplies that we could use out on the front lines warm clothing spread the word about what's happening follow along make sure that you know people are are putting pressure on the investors of this company. Right now, there's a huge conflict between LNG Canada and Coastal GasLink Project because Coastal GasLink Project is way behind schedule and they're over budget. And they're trying to pass on those extra costs to LNG Canada. And so we know that Financially and economically, they're not doing well. They want people to believe that this is taken care of, that they're going to negotiate, that there's no conflict happening on the ground here. That's not true and we need our investors. Um, We need the investors in this project and people who are considering investing in this project to know exactly what's happening on Wet'suwet'en territory. So spread the message, send that message, continue to let the the people know that they are investing in genocide here on Wet'suwet'en territory.
0: I can't thank Molly enough and all of her clan members and everyone that's working around her and all of the other members from the Wet'suwet'en nation who are all acting together in solidarity to support the Wet'suwet'en Nation and who've helped facilitate us being able to do this podcast because I think it's important to actually hear from the land defenders themselves and not rely on people debating it in the media or people writing commentary about it who might not know any of the land defenders or who, who might not ever have heard about Indigenous rights. Thank you Molly and to all of the clan members and allies for what you're doing to defend your own territories because what you do helps and impacts the rest of us because as you know, we are engaged in the same battle all across Turtle Island and you help inspire other land defenders to keep going. And by working in solidarity, all of us working together, that keeps making us stronger and stronger. And it's not just the United Nations that's noticing that. You help inspire all of us to continue this fight, to help protect our peoples and the planet thank you to all of the podcast listeners and the YouTube viewers for tuning into the Warrior Life podcast. Make sure you share this far and wide. Make sure everyone you know gets to hear it. It's important to hear Molly's voice at this very critical point in time. And like always, I'll make sure to post links so that you can access their websites, get more information, read some articles about this, find out how to donate or all of the information you need and protocols to follow in order to join the land defenders on the ground. And I think that's important right now please consider supporting this podcast and keeping it entirely independent. We need everyone's help on this issue to help put pressure on British Columbia, the federal government, the RCMP, Coastal Gas Link Pipeline, whichever private security forces they have going on, and tell them all to stand down. It's long past time that Canada abide by the United Nations calls to stand aside stop committing violence, stop breaching the rights of Wet'suwet'en people, and do what's right. We need everyone to echo Molly's calls for action, whether it's people on the ground, whether it's donations, whether it's pushing governments to stand down and implement the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, respecting our rights, all of it. Let's do what we can to support Molly and the entire Wet'suwet'en nation. Till next time. Keep living a warrior life. Walaliag.